Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. You know, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's Hank the Tank Sunday, right? So I want to open up this morning telling you about my favorite restaurant in the entire world, Texas Roadhouse. See, Jackie's dropping her hints about milk death, so I'm going to drop mine. So Texas Roadhouse is one of my favorite restaurants in the entire world. The only thing is, is when I go to Texas Roadhouse, I always have this internal dilemma, right? I always have this tugging back and forth. It's, it's this like, I know what I should do, but I want to do this, right? And that dilemma is, has to do with these, these round, buttery, soft, delicious things called rolls, right? And not only do you have the rolls, you've got the cinnamon butter to dip. And, you know, most, most people are, they, they handle that properly, right? They use their knife. They cut the roll. They split it in half. They get a little butter and smear it on. That's not how I do things, right? I just fully dip like, like, you, like, a, like a, a chip dip, you know, like you, you're dipping salsa. That's how I, I like to eat my rolls at Texas Roadhouse. I, I fully, I scoop butter. And, you know, that's how I eat my rolls. So, so my dilemma is this, is, is I always go in saying, Josh, you've got to limit yourself. You know what happened last time, right? You've got to limit yourself. But then you sit down, the aroma is there. They set the baskets in front of you. You know, now I have to share with my kids. So that makes it a little easier because they're, you know, they, they like them as much as I do. But, but then the waitress always brings out more, you know, and I always, I never refuse. <laughs> And by the end of it, you can ask Amber, by the end of it, we end up getting in the car and it, it never fails. I always end up saying, I shouldn't have had that last roll. <laughs> like, and for the rest of the day, I'm suffering. And the reality is, is I really shouldn't have had the last four rolls, <laughs> but, but I end up suffering, you know, and, you know, I try to make up for it by eating a salad with it, you know, and, uh, and it, it doesn't help, but, but it makes me feel better about myself that I, I get the salad and I get a side of rice instead of fries so I can eat more rolls. But it's this internal, this internal dialogue that I have, this struggle that I have every time I step into that restaurant. I know what I ought to do, right? I know what I should do. I know what's better for my health. I know what's better for my after dinner, you know, feeling in my, when I go home and sit, right? I know, I know it's better but there's this internal struggle of, of desiring it and hungering for those roles still, right? You all probably, if you know your Bibles, you know where I'm going with this already. Open your Bibles now to Romans chapter seven. Paul tells us about this struggle. His struggle isn't necessarily with roles. I guess it could be gluttony, I guess. Uh, but he tells us about his struggle. Let's read about it here in Romans chapter seven starting in verse 14. He says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Listen to the wording here. He says, I'm a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. 
So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Again, listen to the words. He says, I'm a slave to sin. And now he says, it is sin that lives in me that is causing me to do this. He goes on and he says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I do not want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me. Listen again to the phrase there. There is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. What does he say there? This power makes me a slave to sin. Where is the sin? Still within me. Okay. Oh, what a miserable person I am. That's what I say every time I leave Texas Roadhouse. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here's the good news. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, what does he say? I am a slave to sin. How many of you can relate to this passage of that here that Paul lays out for us? Go ahead and raise your hand. I know what I ought to do, right? I know I shouldn't partake in this. I know I shouldn't do this, but I end up doing it anyways. There's still this hunger inside of me to go ahead and do it anyways. It's the proverbial angel on one shoulder and devil on the other shoulder, right? You have one guy on one shoulder saying, saying uh, it's wrong to lie. We shouldn't lie, right? You, you know, that it would be easy to do so. And then you got the other guy, right, on the other shoulder. That's like, that's like hey, it's just a little white lie, man. It's no big deal. Ain't going to hurt nobody. You know, it, it'll make life easier for you and everybody else. You guys like my devil voice? It's... <laughs> so it's, 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 it's that angel on one side, devil on the other. It's the one guy telling you, uh, you shouldn't eat another roll, right? And the other guy's like, dude, pig out, man, go for it. You ate a salad, go for it. You know, it's, it's that, that idea of the angel on one side and the devil on the other side that we're constantly living in this tension, this battle of wanting to be righteous, wanting to be good, wanting to live worthy of the calling for which we were called. But there's still this insatiable sense and hunger to do what is wrong and to partake in sin and to, to satisfy that, that hunger and craving we have to partake in sin. And we have this struggle, this battle, this war waging within us. We end up saying like Paul in verse 24, what a miserable person I am. I love that. What a mis I mean, that is the most relatable thing in scripture. What a miserable person I am. I, who, um, he says, who will save me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? We're caught in this war, waging this battle between life and death, between good and evil, between the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. And like Paul, 
many of us have found the answer. And we turn to Jesus Christ. We turn to the cross that washes away our sins. We become clean. And even though we are miserable sinners, we get to go to heaven, right? That's where the state many of us end up finding ourselves in. That we are forgiven in Jesus because of the cross. That, that though our sins are scarlet, he has made them white as wool. And we have this good news that though we sin, though we mess up, Jesus comes in and he cleanses us and he forgives us of our sins. And that is incredible news. Amen. Amen. But here's the problem. Here's the problem many of us find ourselves in. We stop there. We stop with Jesus's blood has cleansed me from my sin. I am holy and righteous, and now I get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. And that is incredible news. But the problem is, we still have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. And even though we find ourselves clean, born again, going to heaven, we still find ourselves waging a battle with sin. We still find ourselves waging an inward battle with, I want to do this, but I end up doing this. I know this is right, but the, this draw that I have to sin keeps luring me in. And even though we have been bought with a price, even though we are going to heaven, even though we know we have been forgiven, we still end up with this waging war within us, don't we? And many of us have related ourselves to Paul here in this chapter. And we, we look at Paul in this chapter and we go, look, Paul, who was one of the greatest apostles who ever walked the face of the earth, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And here he is in Romans chapter seven, telling us that even this super apostle struggles with this war waging in him between good and evil, between right and wrong, between sin and righteousness. And we look at that and then we justify then our own struggle and saying, if Paul struggles with it, then I better just accept that this is going to be my lot in life until I get to heaven. And many of us have settled with the idea that Jesus cleanses me, but I'm still going to have this constant internal battle with sin. We say things like this. I'm just a sinner saved by grace, which to me, which I, I get the statement, I understand it, but to me, what that does is it degrades the power of grace, which has transformed you from being a sinner into a son. Listen, you've heard me say it before. I'm going to say a hundred thousand more times in this room. You are no longer a sinner. That is not your identity anymore. You have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is your DNA. In fact, there's even scriptures that say you have now the same DNA as Jesus. You are in the family of God. You are not a sinner saved by grace anymore. You were saved by grace, but grace has transformed you into a righteous son and you are no longer a sinner. Amen. So wipe that identity off of you. That is not who you are anymore. Amen? Amen. 
but we still find ourselves battling and waging the war. And we use Paul's scripture here as an excuse to justify this war waging within us, saying that if Paul had this struggle, then I must, I'm going to have this same struggle until Jesus comes. The only problem with that is that's not what Paul's saying. You see, there's an issue we have here while reading this scripture. We look at this scripture here in verse 7. And we read of Paul's lot of saying, I struggle with sin here. I know what's good. I know what's right. But there's this, what does he keep saying? There's this sin nature that keeps drawing me back. He said, there's still sin living inside of me that's entangling me. He says, there's, there's still, uh, there's still this, this nature inside of me that's waging war with the good nature inside of me. And we read through chapter seven and we stop at chapter seven and we start a new thought in chapter eight. Right? But the only problem with that is, is when Paul wrote this, he didn't write chapter seven and then chapter eight. Those page breaks, those chapter breaks were put in later, as many of you know to help organize the Bible, make it easier to read, make it easier to find things. But Romans is one letter. So chapter seven continues on in chapter eight, and it is the same thought. It is the same conversation Paul is having. So let's listen then. After knowing this struggle, let's listen to what Paul says now in chapter eight, starting in verse one. He says, so now there is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, here we go. The power of life-giving spirit, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. What is he saying here? In verse 7, he's saying, I'm a slave to sin, my sinful nature. He's saying that there's still this thing waging war inside of me. But then chapter 8 says, but thanks be to God, right? That in Jesus Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say that not only did the cross of Jesus cleanse us from our sins, but it broke the power of sin in our lives. Chapter seven is not a commentary of a man who is currently struggling. Chapter seven is a commentary of a man who has not been put in Christ yet. Chapter seven is not a commentary of Paul's current struggle. Chapter seven is a commentary of Paul's struggle before Jesus came in and broke the bondage and power of sin in his life. And I want to tell you today, the good news is this that you no longer have an angel on one side and a devil on the other side, but you have the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of your mortal bodies. And that is what dictates you. Let's read a little bit more in chapter eight here. The power of sin that leads to death has been broken. It says the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in body like the bodies we sinners have. And in the body, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Listen, it put, it, it, God declared an end 
to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature. What does it say? Who no longer follows our sinful nature, but instead follows the spirit. That that sinful nature was dead. Romans chapter five, I'm not gonna jump into it today. We've talked about it before. It talks about the old man, Adam. That when Adam fell into sin, it placed a curse on all of mankind. But then it says there was another man who came. The other man was Jesus. And Jesus broke the sin nature that was on the inside of us and remade us. And now we carry the same nature of Jesus, which is righteous and holy and good. Amen. The power of the sin nature has been broken Let's jump now. Let's jump now to verse nine. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Come on, everybody say that with me. You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by what? By the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. One more, one more here. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no, I love this. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For you all are led, for all who are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. You are no longer obligated to obey the sinful nature. You are no longer obligated. Romans 6 tells us that, that we were once slaves to sin. That sin was our taskmaster. That we had to obey the call of sin when it called us. But this says that we now through the cross of Jesus has died to sin and we are raised to newness of life. And now it tells us in Romans chapter eight that we are no longer obligated to fulfill the call of sin anymore. That when sin calls, we don't have to answer. So listen, you don't any longer, you no longer have an angel on one side and a devil on the other side. The Bible tells us that you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. So the battle that we face, that inward turmoil, that inward waging war that happens on the inside of us between, between good and evil, between uh, whether to sin or whether not to sin. Listen, I want to tell you today that you are freed from that battle. That as we begin become, or that as we become more aware of the spirit on the inside of us, and as we become, as we uh, begin to follow the leading of the spirit 
within us, that waging war, that waging battle on the inside of us begins to dissipate. Amen? We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living on the inside of us. And here's the beautiful part. Because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, we no longer need the law. We no longer need the law to tell us what is right and wrong. Let me show you what I mean. In John chapter 16, verse 7 through 8, it says, But here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager, which is the Holy Spirit, will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, when he comes, he will expose sin and prove that the world is wrong about God's righteousness and his judgments. It says in 1 John 2, 27, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It's not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ. So because Jesus went on the cross and died, and now our sins have been wiped away. Now we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. And the beautiful part about that is before that happened, there was the law, right? There was the, the Hebraic law, the Mosaic law that came, and there was this list of rules and things that dictated what a person could and could not do. And the problem with that rule book is none of us could measure up to its standard, right? All of us fell short of that standard. But now Jesus has come, has fulfilled the law, has made us now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And now we don't have that list of rules telling us what's good and what's wrong. Now we have the spirit himself living on the inside of us. And because he lives now on the inside of us, one of his jobs is to expose sin and to bring truth, to teach truth. So now we are not led by a law, a list of rules. We are led by the spirit of God. And part of his job is to lead us into righteousness. Now we don't have an angel on one side and a devil on the other side. Now we have one spirit on the inside of us that leads us into righteousness. And as we become aware of that Holy Spirit on the inside of us and listen to him, he leads us on the right path. And he begins telling us, listen, go here or listen, this is something you should stay away from. Or listen, this is the path you should go. It's the Holy Spirit now on the inside of you that is leading you and guiding you throughout this journey of life. And we are not dictated by an inward war waging on the inside of us. The war is over. The war is over. And here's the deal. Just like I said last week, I said this last week, I made the statement that you right now are as righteous 
as Jesus is righteous. Because you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we cannot become more righteous than we already are. We can be only grow in our awareness of that, of the righteousness that we carry. And just like we can only grow in our awareness of the righteousness we carry, I believe this works the same way. That for many of us, we've just come to believe that there's, we're just going to have to live with this war on the inside of us. But I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to live with that war on the inside of you. And as we become more aware of what and who is living on the inside of us, then that war, that, that battle, that, that other voice begins to diminish and becomes, becomes absent in our lives as we become more aware of the fact that he not only forgave us of our sins, but he broke the power of sin in our lives. Amen? Amen. There's a couple things I want you to take away from this this morning. I'm going to just sum it up in all of this. You don't have to live a life of struggle with sin. You don't have to live a life constantly waging war with sin. Sin, the power of sin has been broken. The power of sin has been broken. You don't have to live with that struggle. The cross, here's the other thought. The cross did more than just give you a free pass for your sin. It destroyed the power of sin over you. It didn't just forgive you of sin and give you a ticket to heaven. That is, that is so minimal to what the cross has done. The cross not only forgave you, but it broke the power of sin in you. You do not have a devil on one side and an angel on the other, but you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead inside of you. And when you live your life in him, the voice of sin no longer gets a vote. Let me say it again without stuttering. And when you live in him, the voice of sin no longer gets a vote. Amen? Amen. The power of sin is broken. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand together. Father, I thank you, Lord that you are taking us deeper into the revelation of what your cross has accomplished for us. God, I pray that we would never stop at just being forgiven, as glorious as it is to be forgiven, as glorious as it is that our sins that were a scholar are now white as snow. God, your cross accomplished so much more than just covering over our sin. God, your cross broke the power of sin in our lives. God, I thank you that we no longer have to live with a constant war waging on the inside of us. God, that our life doesn't have to be, uh, that we don't have to be on a hamster wheel of fighting sin over and over again, only to win some days and to lose some other days and to do good some days and to do bad other days. God, that our life doesn't have to be, Lord, ups and downs, hills and valleys when it comes to sin, Father. But because your cross broke the power of sin, we can now walk in fellowship with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and he can lead us into all truth. And Father, we can walk worthy of the calling for which you have called us.
God, I pray today that you would give everyone in the, in, within the sound of my voice this morning, everyone listening to this message later on the podcast, Father, I pray that you would give them the grace to come into the revelation, to see the revelation that the power of sin is broken in their lives. And they no longer have to be on the roller coaster of sin. But Father, you have set us free. God, that we are no longer identified as sinners. But Lord, we are identified as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Jesus himself, loved by the Father with the same love that he loves his son, Jesus. That we are the beloved in Christ. That we are your beloved, Jesus. And that we no longer have to fight and wage war with sin. But it is broken in our lives. And Father, I'm, I'm reminded too of the scripture in John that tells us, Lord, if we do fall into sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father to go to. And as we confess those things, Lord, you cleanse us again of all unrighteousness. But God, that, that battle doesn't have to be a daily battle. But we can walk in righteousness daily. We can walk in righteousness, not just figuratively, but actually, because you have broken the power of sin. Father, we love you. We honor you this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. God, it is better than what we could ever have imagined. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.